Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Carol Ellis. Thanks for being on the show, Carol. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Carol is a COO, news editor for Self-Directed Investor Society and SDI Women. She handles the news coverage and market and data analysis for Self-Directed Investors Society, uh, and le- she leads the SDI Women. So, uh, Carol, would you give us a little more background about you know what you do, how you how you got into this business? <laughs> sure. Well, um, my background is actually in um, technical and medical writing and reporting. I got involved in real estate in two thousand six. Um, that was around the time I bought my first house and I was the investor. Well, I wasn't the investor. I was the buyer that all investors hate because I decided the closing table to read every single word of those closing documents. Um, so once we got through that, I realized that I was never going to be in that position again. And, um, so I got my real estate license and some other things like that. And along the way, um, my husband, Brian, who had been investing in real estate for quite some time. And I started, um, I started providing daily news coverage for the Brian Ellis Investing Letter, which um, was a daily news publication for years. And uh, it has gone from there. I've created a lot of content. I do a lot of reporting. If you bought a home study course and it was a good one, um, you know, back in the days of, you know, the big books and everything, then uh, I probably had something to do with its creation. Nice. So, so you do a lot of research, right? Yeah. About markets and, 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 you know, I, what is the you know the primary purpose really you know of SDI? Tell me what you all what's your focus? Sure. So SDI stands for Self Directed Investor, and um, Self Directed Investors are investors who are interested in um, you know protecting their capital to some degree from Wall Street. Um, that doesn't mean exclusively real estate, but real estate is definitely one of the safest and most secure and strongest investment options. So most of our investors are very interested in real estate, um, but it does also include, you know, precious metals, um, intellectual property, venture capital, things like that. So SDI Society's purpose is to educate the investor. Um, We serve as an advocate. We're not a custodian. We're not an administrator. That means that we can say a lot of things very truthfully, both good and bad, customized to an investor's specific situation about tax advantages and things like that, that anyone in those industries, regardless of how well-intentioned they are, can't say. So we're, nice. we're an educator and advocate. So, you know, help us to uh, educate investors, you know, tell us some things that, that maybe you, you know, you do to help educate investors, maybe common things that investors need to know that, that we should know to be able to help, help our investors to, to make better decisions. Sure. Um, well, specifically in light of syndication, um, because most self-directed investors are not, the majority are not first and foremost real estate investors. Um, self-directed investors tend to be retirement investors, or they are using their retirement accounts to protect their assets and gain those tax advantages, um, even if they're not retiring yet. So as a result, um, we really feel like it's very important. A lot of the onus of your, a lot of the weight of your responsibility when you're getting into a syndication is going to be to do your research up front 
you know, to kind of have a familiarity with the market. And um, that's where we come in. Um, we provide daily news coverage. We provide timely tax commentary. Um, and we do a lot that's just talking about how to pick apart a market so that you know what is right for you and your money. How liquid do you need to be? Answer all those questions that are going to be very different for you, different for me, and uh, probably slightly different for every single person listening. Nice. So break some of that research down for us. Tell me, you know, tell me what kind of research, you know, maybe you do or, you know, that I should be doing. Okay. <laughs> Yay. I was, I was, I always try not to like jump into that because then I don't ever stop talking. Um, <laughs> so please interrupt me if I go too long. Um, so the first thing that I would say that you should do if you are looking at a syndication, like a specific syndication, like say you're thinking maybe you want to get involved in a multifamily development in Jacksonville because I was, it, I'm in recently. So now I have Jacksonville on the brain because um, they were talking about Jacksonville a lot. So you can do a basic market litmus test that basically says some things that you're probably familiar with, even if you don't, well, I'm sure you are, but that one is probably familiar with, even if you don't necessarily have it down to a formula, you know, ask yourself, is the population growing? Why is it growing? Who is coming? Um, are job opportunities expanding and in what sectors? Because um, of course, an IT population has the potential to be a very different population than, um, a hospitality population who may be more likely to rent if you're looking at multifamily, for example. Um, and then, of course, the third um, that's pretty common is, is the local economy on an upward trajectory? And um, it's really important at that point to get very granular, um, not to just say the Southeast is looking good. It's nice to say the Southeast is looking good or Florida is looking good or even Central Florida is looking good or Northern Florida, but you really want to, in the example of Jacksonville, for example, you would really want to kind of dive in and say, okay, um, I want to see what's making all these people talk about Jacksonville and whether they're all repeating the same things that they're saying to each other or whether there, there's really some solid ground for what they're, they're, for what they're saying. And then based on that, you can make a decision about whether or not you want to put money with that individual. So, so how can I, how can I verify, you know, all those things people are saying? Okay. So I would say in two different ways, if it were me, um, instead of starting with a specific project, what I would do is I would just do some basic research. I would go on the census bureau. I would just do some basic Googling, look, look up some news coverage and see who's coming. Look at the chamber of commerce. Um, you know, everybody in the world has an IT corridor now. I think that my, you know, tiny northwestern Georgia neighboring town, you know, theoretically has an IT corridor at this point. So it's not enough. You got to find out who's in the IT corridor or if it's just zoned that way. Um, but, you know, so you want to look and see, is the population growing? Um, if it's not, you do want to find out why, because it doesn't necessarily mean it's a terrible thing. Um, but generally, you'd want it to be growing, then look figure out who's coming to the area. And, um, you know, after you've done that, I like medical communities. I'm a big fan of Birmingham because they've got that big growing hospital there. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of places, Detroit, there are plenty of places that have things like that. Um, but, you know, you kind of look at where the job opportunities are and then start thinking about who's moving there and what do they want. If you're going to, you know, Washington, D.C., because you want to cater to new Amazon employees, that's going to be a very different population than if you're going to go to, I don't know, um, 
Well, let's do Birmingham. That, there's very large population renting there than if you're going to Birmingham. So what type of population growth would you like to see? I really personally like to see um, more generically just an upward trend. Um, not everybody agrees with me on that. I think that if you're looking at a market independently of some sort of proposal, you know, if you haven't said to me, hey, Carol, I need, you know, we're taking $50,000 and we're going to, you know, take it from 20 people. We're going to go do this. If, if I'm just saying, hmm, I wonder what I think about this market. Am I interested? I just like to see it sort of trending upward um, with no really weird movements downward. You know, if there's a mass exodus, you probably need to know why. Um, but once you have that, then if you are looking at a specific deal and you want to say, okay, well, um, this guy's telling me that this mixed use development is going to be wonderful because it's going to appeal to millennials and you dig in and, um, you know, you see that really it's in Florida in the villages, which is age restricted. Well, they, you know, then you have a problem because your person who is proposing the deal doesn't necessarily know where they're building. <laughs> so at that point, then you have a, you don't have a red flag necessarily, but you have the opportunity to wave a flag and see what they do. You know, if you say, why do you think millennials are going to move to an active living community and they have an answer for you? Well, then you may have just struck some sort of goal that we didn't know about. But, you know, if they say that's ridiculous, it's not age restricted. Or if they can't answer, then that tells you something about the person as well as about the population. Right. So, so I wanted to clarify. So you, you all, you educate investors, right? You help mm -hmm. them to make, make good decisions. And, you know, is one aspect of that helping them decipher who they want to invest with? So, you know, maybe they say, you know, Carol, you know, I'm looking at investing in this deal. Is that where, would you all help guide them through that? Maybe that deal sponsor, is that somebody you want to invest with and also the market and the deal? We have endorsed investment opportunities. Um, I will be honest, it doesn't happen all that often because um, Brian Ellis, who is my husband and he's the president of the company, um, has kind of a lot of hoops that you have to get through before he feels good about saying something is a good idea. So, which is good. It makes me happy. But um, we don't do it routinely. Now, if you were to call in, um, a lot of our members have, have the option to call in and do consults and various um, you know, they can get on webinars and talk about things they're doing and stuff like that. If you were to say, um, I'm looking at a, at a deal at a multifamily, I'm on multifamily today, sorry, um, at a multifamily deal. And I, I'm going to do it in Atlanta. And uh, I have this thing that I'm worried about. Well, yes, then we would say, well, you might want to look into this, you might want to look into that. But it's generally you know, unless you are very, very sure and somebody has a record, like it is bad policy to say that somebody doesn't know what they're doing unless you know for a fact they don't. Sure. So it would be very unusual for us to really come out and slam something unless. D does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I just I just wondered <laughs> how you all would help somebody to know if maybe even a specific deal sponsor is somebody who they wanted to partner with. Well, we have we can talk a lot about the questions that you ask. But for me yeah. personally, um, you know, there are a lot, there's a lot of literature out there that says, do a background check and then ask them about it. Um, make sure they have experience, make sure they have skin in the game. All of those things are very easy to say, harder to do, but they also will occasionally rule somebody out if you use that as a straight black and white measure that shouldn't be ruled out. Um, 
most landlords have had a lawsuit against them at some point in time, mm. you know, even if it didn't ever come to anything. So there are a lot of things that it's more about um, having the information that you need so that you can ask that person questions directly and then make a decision. Because at the end of the day, it really is as much about management as it is about anything else. And the only way to figure that out is for you to ask the questions that will make you comfortable. Yeah, that's great. That's great advice. I know SDI provides news and provides many ways to educate, right? Educate the investors. So tell us what kind of news do y'all provide? Well, we actually, um, we provide, we have a couple different sources of news. Um, We have a really incredible um, tax expert that works with the company. I'm sure Brian talked about Tim Barry. And um, so they do a lot of sort of really real-time breaking the IRS said this, I, I can't even begin to break some of that down, but they'll say, you know, the IRS said this, and these are the 10 tax ramifications for you. And seven of them are good and three of them are bad. And they'll, so we do that. Um, and then a lot of the news that I provide is industry context. Um, we do break down the national numbers. We do report on the national numbers. Um, if I see something that looks intriguing to me as an investor, on a regional or a local level, I'll report on that. Um, we are tracking opportunity zones. Um, we're trying to be very careful about that because there's a lot of hype around that. And, um, you know, there are even people already selling in those areas, but it's not 100% clear what they're going to be able to do. And on, sorry, that's another tangent. But just to mention, honestly, it may not matter that they don't know yet because of the incredible tax advantages that come with some of those funds. But that's all news. Like you got to follow that every day so that you can know when you were taking your money and your capital and you're putting it somewhere, you need to know, you need to at least know to ask the questions of the person that you're putting it with. And then we do the, we do the more traditional stuff too. You know, we track foreclosure numbers, we track the interest rates. We spend a lot of time on HQ2, um, you know, stuff like that. Tell us some, some recent news that you've put out that we can all, that we should all know or, or be, you know, that we would all benefit from knowing? Um, I would say the opportunity zones are big. Um, but I would say probably the thing that we did just this past week was we did kind of break down what Amazon really did. Um, and I think that that's incredibly relevant for investors, whether you love Amazon or hate Amazon or love, you know, Jeff Bezos or hate him. Um, he is going to be the elephant in the room probably for at least half our lifetimes. So when he launched the search for the second headquarters and he made all those, he didn't make them, but you know, he created a scenario in which all of those major cities and state governments and, you know, Canada got involved, you know, all those people were vying for his company and offering him all those incentives. He didn't just create a great situation for himself. He changed the way national headquarters, possibly international headquarters, corporate headquarters can, can affect a real estate market. There are so many people in Atlanta and it's probably fine because Atlanta is a really good market, but there are so many people that I would talk to um, when I was still working with Think Realty and traveling around, they would say, oh yeah, I'm buying in Atlanta because HQ2, HQ2 is gonna be there. I just, I have to have something there. People made a lot of decisions based on some assumptions about what 
a company who had no obligation to them whatsoever said it was going to do. Um, and now, you know, you have two cities, they've split it. So, you know, part of it's going to be in Crystal City near Washington, D.C. Part of it's going to be in uh, DFW. And, uh, you know, that's not 50,000 jobs and however many million or billion dollars. That's half each. Now, it's still a lot of money, but that's a, you know, that's half of what it was projected to be. So it wasn't even, oh, well, you're gambling on something, but at least you know what you're gambling on. It turned out you were gambling on something you didn't even know. And there were a lot of different ways to go about that. The guys that, um, there were several REITs that bought most of Crystal City. That was really interesting. Like we tracked all of that. Um, you know, they're probably going to be fine because they were right. And they also got a really, I, I think that, whole layout of that city and some of the stuff they're doing is really interesting, but it wasn't what they were promised. I mean, and they weren't promised, but the assumption was they were promised. And, uh, you know, I just, I think that that is so relevant in terms of watching things moving forward, because I do not believe for one second, that will be the last time that a company tries to leverage that. People do it in Georgia all the time. Georgia's always offering tax incentives. I love it. But, you know, it, it changed, he changed the game because he completely you cut everything in half. It's amazing. Wow. I just can't go over it. <laughs> so for the listener who doesn't understand the term uh, opportunity zone, could you just elaborate on what that is? You've probably heard about, uh, you know, investors who say, well, I fund my building. I fund my development using pub public-private partnerships, or I get grants from the state or the city. Um, an opportunity zone in a lot of ways is the same sort of thing, but on a federal level. And the IRS has identified these different areas of the country and there are things that you can do to qualify to be one. Um, and they're gonna do some really interesting things in terms of supporting and incentivizing investors, partly through tax credits and partly through tax advantages to put money into those areas, either to revitalize them or to sort of jumpstart growth that for some reason, um, the IRS has decided it's possible given enough time, money, and energy thrown in that direction. But they're really interesting because some of the funds that are opening are actually, if you just go ahead and stick your, this is sort of a, to be completely transparent, this is, an, oh, this is a simplification. But basically, if you go ahead and stick your money in, then conceivably, you might be able to keep it all in there for some undetermined amount of time. And then if it didn't work out, you might be able to, you know, get it back out later without really necessarily incurring a lot of taxes and problems like that. Do I think that's going to last? No. But right now, because it's not entirely clear, um, there's a lot of stuff out there. There are a lot of people out there happy to take your money and some of them are great opportunities and some aren't. So Really, I would say that if you want to do opportunity zone investing, um, you probably need to sign up for SDI Society so you can hear Brian and Tim talk about it. And uh, then that's one of those cases where you need to read all the fine print in that specific location. Um, you need to look at a mar our market analyses of wherever it is. You need to do your own, whatever makes you feel comfortable. And then I think that's really going to be an issue of being able to read, not read, but understand each zone independently almost because it's, it's a wonderful thing, but I, to me, it's not clear enough yet. 
<laughs> so with doing all the research that, that you've done and, and are continuing to do, you know, is there a, a lesson maybe that you've learned recently that, that we should all know? Maybe from people you've talked to or anything else that, uh, you know, from just the direct research that you're doing? Um, actually, yes. I love this. It's so neat. Um, and I have to be fair and give credit where it's due. I got it from Darren Bloomquist, um, who explained it to me in a lot of detail at Adam Data. Um, he talks a lot about um, flipping indicators and flipping as an indicator. And um, if you look at their analysis, um, we, we use them a lot because they've got all sorts of really fantastic heat maps and all sorts of stuff. And when you first look at it, a lot of times you think, well, that's a really nice headline. And I'm really glad that flippers are flocking to, you know, Phoenix or whatever the headline is. But when you really look at it, they do make a really good indicator because they, you can sort of, you can track market volatility. You can track progress and trajectory in terms of things coming in off the coasts and in toward the Midwest. And a lot of people who are listening are probably saying, well, that's just intuitive, Carol. Like I knew that already, but it's still really interesting because it's another tool in your arsenal. You know, you go and you can say, okay, well, um, for the past three years, people have been making, I don't know, $60,000 gross on their flips because Adam Data uses gross numbers a lot. Um, and now there's three times as many of them and they're making 20,000. And for some reason, this is still okay with all of them. Well, that kind of tells you that market is changing, even if the flippers aren't acting like it yet. But it's also, it tends to be the markets that are the most interesting for the media. Uh, I am also guilty, although, <laughs> you know, I try to explain why it's interesting at least. But um, it's just another really interesting way to look at it. Even if you're not a flipper and you don't care to ever be one, it really pays to watch those guys and gals because they they are probably the fastest movers in the investing world. Um, obviously, they're in it longer than a wholesaler, but they're in it in a way that a wholesaler isn't necessarily. So. That was my neat thing that I learned recently. <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, Carol, what else What else does a listener need to know about SDI, you know, that you could tell us before we have to go? So um, I think the most important thing for you to know is that you should go to SDI Society, S-D-I Society.org. And um, you can, we have a lot of free training materials. You can sign up for updates, news, all sorts of great stuff. Um, I think really at the end of the day, though, the thing that you should know about SDI is that we are for the investor. Um, we really are an advocate. Um, we're an educator. We're really excited about our industry and how it's changing, not just in real estate, but also the way that the self-directed sector is becoming more aware, not only, not only of its options, but also people are becoming more aware and seeking to serve self-directed investors differently. And that is wonderful because you've been on your own for a long time. But um, it's also, you know, it, it, it creates a scenario where there's a lot more information and uh, we just hope we can help you get through it. Awesome. Uh, Carol, is there any other way the listeners should know how to get in touch with you or, or be able to reach out to you specifically? Well, um, honestly, you can email me. That's probably the best way. Um, it's Carol, C-A-R-O-L-E at selfdirected.org. And I do actually read all of them. So um you know, please feel free. I would love to talk to anyone. 
Great. Carol, thank you so much for your time today and being on the show. I will tell the listeners that uh, her husband, Brian, was show WS66. He was just on uh, about a week and a half ago. So uh, I hope you all will uh, listen to his show. And uh, in case SDI sounded familiar, that's probably why. And uh, Carol, thank you again. I hope the listeners have learned a lot and will go to the Facebook group and sign up so you can communicate with Carol and we can all learn this business together. And we will talk to each of you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.